Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, September 9th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, COVID-19 transmission rates continue to trend down as flu season approaches. Then, Curtis Flowers' attorney sheds light on what's next after 23 years behind bars and four reversed convictions. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, over 20% of Mississippi teens engaged in e-cigarette use last year. Now, the American Lung Association is announcing a comprehensive plan to curb youth vaping. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Transmission rates of the coronavirus are on the decline in Mississippi. Governor Tate Reeves says the six weeks following the July peak have been a vast improvement for the state. He credits the efforts of Mississippi residents. I believe that uh, so many of my fellow Mississippians over the last uh, six weeks to two months have really made a a uh, tremendous effort, and it's made a difference. I mean, you can look at the numbers, and there is no way to look at our numbers right now and say anything other than what you are doing is making a difference. Um, when you talk, I mean, clearly we came out of the last three days, which admittedly were a holiday weekend, but we had less than 900 total cases over three days. Um, that's a that's a huge improvement. Now, I expect that as we go into tomorrow and Thursday, there'll be some uh, larger numbers. I have no doubt that that will be the case. We'll see. Again, the numbers are headed in the right direction, but that is not a reason for us to say, ooh, all is good. Uh, we have accomplished our goal. No, we've got to keep being diligent so that we can keep doing uh, the things that we want to do, uh, albeit um, with less crowds than we are accustomed to. To avoid the resurgence seen in other parts of the world, state health officials are increasing testing availability. State health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says free testing is being made available once a week in every county. We want to make sure we keep our our guard up because we know if we let our guard down, we can have massive rebounds. I would encourage everyone to look at what happened in Spain and Israel who thought they had it licked, and now their case rates are higher per capita than the United States. Um, So please, just be very careful. We have made some phenomenal gains. We want to maintain that. So make sure we keep our masks on, separated from other people and small groups as much as possible, and then do as much as we can outdoors. We are going to go to community testing with more availability every county, every week, and that will be for anyone who has any symptoms of COVID, is concerned they might have been exposed, and, of course, K-12 uh, teachers, staff, and administrators. So that's something that's on our website, and you can go to covidschedule.umc.edu 
to schedule an appointment in any county, um, and we'll be there at least once a week starting this week. So, so please check that out. For the first time in months, the state did not report a COVID-related death yesterday. Dobbs says this is an encouraging sign, but notes the excess mortality for 2020 scenes, or means more analysis needs to be done. If we look at our total number of cases thus far, 87,379 with 2,585 deaths, we know that this is likely uh, an underestimate or under or undercounting of the total number of deaths uh, because we know our excess mortality this year compared to previously is around 3,300 people. So that's something you'll be seeing more and more information out. We're, we've been looking closely at our vital statistics data, so there will be more information published on our website about excess mortality in Mississippi during the, the COVID era. As transmission rates decline, a large block party in Jackson is drawing criticism for a lack in social distancing and potential to spread the coronavirus. Dobbs says everyone should avoid these types of gatherings. It really makes me angry. Um, how selfish it is right now we're just making progress and we're trying to let nursing home folks get visited Um, we have people who are dying Um, schools want to stay in session colleges want to stay open and just to have such little patience and to have such little restraint that you can't do i mean if someone's having a party don't go and if you are and if you're putting up a party know that you're breaking the law um, you know, I, I, we spoke with President Hudson, um, I think it was last week, and then the other college presidents at, at several places, and they're committed that if people go to parties or host parties, it is a violation of the of the honor code of the university, and there will be repercussions. So um, I hope it doesn't come to really undermine us in, in our long-term progress, but um, I'm, I'm disappointed. I am disappointed. Current executive orders restrict gatherings indoors to 10 people and outdoors with social distancing to 20 people. Governor Reeves was joined by Commissioner of Public Safety Sean Tyndall during his press briefing yesterday. Tyndall says his department is introducing a new program to decrease wait times and lines at driver's license offices. The Skip the Line campaign will allow residents to schedule appointments online to avoid long waits. Commissioner Tyndall says the campaign will begin a test run Monday, September 14th, in central and coastal Mississippi. Customers and citizens of the state of Mississippi will be able to go online to the DPS website and make an appointment uh, to have their driver's license uh, exam, uh, firearm permit, other things scheduled uh, in order to come in for a specified appointment time. Um, Again, uh, this will be September 14th, and then for the first two weeks, It's going to be at Troop K, which is on the Gulf Coast, and Troop C, which is the Jackson metro area. Uh, We're going to run that program for two, two and a half weeks. And then starting on October 1st, uh, we will go statewide with the program. And that will be at all permanent driver's license stations. Tyndall also says effective immediately, all firearm permit renewal applications will be mail-in only. Governor Reeves congratulated Tyndall, saying the program will be an asset to working Mississippians who can't set aside hours to wait at a driver's license office. The uh, statewide um, appointment process gives everyone the opportunity that a lot of these folks, a lot of our fellow Mississippians are working, and if you have an appointment, it gives you the opportunity to uh, set that appointment and not have to uh, come and just wait and wait and wait. And so I, I'm just extremely pleased with the progress that, that Commissioner Tyndall has made. And there will be issues and there will be growing pains over the next two to three to four weeks as we deal with these things. Uh, but certainly uh, I believe 
that this is a major step forward uh, after the 267,000 people that we've served uh, over the last three months. Skip the line will go statewide starting October 1st. Coming up, Curtis Flowers' attorney sheds light on what's next after 23 years behind bars and four reversed convictions. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Curtis Flowers has spent the last 23 years of his life behind bars or in the courtroom. The 50-year-old was tried six times for capital murder related to the 1996 shooting deaths of four people in a Winona furniture store. Two of those trials resulted in hung juries, the other four in convictions that were eventually reversed due to prosecutorial misconduct. Last week, Attorney General Lynn Fitch dropped the case against Flowers, essentially ending the decades-long saga. Now, Flowers and his attorneys are looking at how to reconcile this injustice. Robert McDuff is with the Mississippi Center for Justice and a recent member of Flowers' defense team. He shares more on recent member of what's next for Curtis Flowers in part two of his conversation with Desiree Frazier. Curtis Flowers is an incredibly well-balanced and positive person. In his 23 years in prison, he only had one disciplinary infraction, which was a minor a, a, a minor write-up. Uh, he is, it's very difficult to go through prison for 23 years without any disciplinary record. Uh, yet his sort of peaceful character uh, allowed him to get through that process. And that same positive attitude is serving him well now. He must be um, angry, resentful, bitter. You know, he, he, he doesn't he doesn't show it. He doesn't he just doesn't show any kind of anger or bitterness. He is he is very religious. He is a very personable, friendly person. When we filed the bail motion, we included affidavits from guards that talked about how cooperative Curtis was, about how concerned he was about people who were around him, how he would often cheer the guards up if they were having problems in their lives. So that that kind of positive spirit is really serving him well. Uh, and he's he is very happy to to be out after 23 years. He never should have had to serve those 23 years in the first place. He knows that better than anyone, but he is he is going to move on with his life in a very positive way. Will he be filing a lawsuit to seek monetary damages? You know, we have been focused recently on getting this criminal case dismissed. Uh, we are going to, in the you know, in the coming weeks, discuss what his options are in terms of, of civil litigation. Well, certainly, twenty-three years in prison have taken most of his prime working years. How old is he now? He is fifty. Okay, so he still has many good years left, of course, but his earning potential has definitely been impacted, and we know the challenges that people who have served time face when they seek employment. Oh, yeah. It is difficult for people coming out of prison to, um, you know, to build their lives back. Fortunately, Curtis has a very close family that has supported him all throughout this ordeal. 
and he's got a positive spirit. He's a very talented person. And, and so, you know, I think he's going to do well in life as he goes forward. Do you know um, what his plans are at all? No, no. I think he's still, you know, he has been, his life has been on hold for quite a while as he, as he waited to see if these charges were going to be dismissed. And he certainly hasn't made any plans before now. And, and he's going to begin to think about that. How are you feeling about this? You kind of came in on the tail end, but you did have to research the entire length and breadth of this case. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah. Curtis has had a lot of lawyers and investigators who have worked on his case over the years. The Mississippi Office of Capital Defense Counsel defended him at four, the last four trials. Uh, since the last trial, he's had an appeal team that has included the Cornell Law School Capital Punishment Project, the Hogan Lovells Law Firm in Washington, D.C., and the Mississippi Innocence Project. Uh, MCJ and I were asked to join the case a year ago uh, to prepare for a possible seventh trial. Uh, we also recruited a lawyer from North Carolina named Henderson Hill, who joined the team. Um, so it's just been it's been a it, it, it this victory has been the effort of the work of a lot of people. Um, you know, personally, it was just it was a great honor to work on this case. Curtis Flowers is a wonderful person as demonstrated by his life and his, his, his incredible record while he was in prison. And so it's just been a, it's been a great honor for me professionally to be involved. And I'm just very, very happy for Curtis and was, was glad I was able to be part of the effort. Robert McDuff is an attorney with the Mississippi Center for Justice and a member of Curtis Flowers' defense team. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, over 20% of Mississippi teens engaged in e-cigarette use last year. Now the American Lung Association is announcing a comprehensive plan to curb youth vaping. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. The reason I'm calling you for is I'm a pretty athletic guy. I ride my bicycle three to 400 miles a month. I've been putting off shoulder surgery forever. I'm just wondering if you get the surgery done, you're going to sling for six weeks, and then it's six months to a year recovery. I, I just really don't want to be out of the saddle that long. Is there any work around on this? The rotator cuff muscles are not the ones, the muscles around the shoulder that you can see on the outside. They're small muscles. There's four of them, and they help uh, position the the top portion of the humerus that's in your upper arm the bone in your upper arm as it relates to the shoulder joint so it has to be in correct relationships and particularly those activities where you are reaching up and over uh the the top of your shoulder usually these are injuries where you you know catch something on an outstretched arm or they're overuse injuries that you're reaching up and over and I'm sure that you have already, Jerry, done all the physical therapy stuff that you can while doing that. That can help a lot because you're strengthening those other muscles. But a tear is different than tendonitis. 
And a tear can't really heal itself very well, and uh, the whole tendon needs to be repaired. Tendons take a long time to heal up, which is why, you know, they mentioned the sling and then the intense rehab after that. I'm not aware if the tear is that big that you could do anything different. You want to be careful with injections, particularly with a big tear, because you can actually... Uh, a lot of steroids into the joint space can actually make that tear worse over time. Yeah, I think you may have to bite the bullet and do that. I know people who have done it, and that it is a long time in recovery, and they've gone back to being very active. But who knows, Jerry? Recumbent bike, maybe? For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Medical experts in Mississippi are raising awareness about the dangers of young people vaping, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. More than 20% of high school students in Mississippi used e-cigarettes last year. That's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Experts believe that rate may increase as students return to school and may experience social pressure to to vape. Dr. John Godet is president of the Mississippi chapter of the Academy of American Pediatrics. He tells our Ashley Norwood adolescents are prone to greater risk-taking. Talking about what's going on in the lungs is important, but we also have to talk about what's going on in the brain. So adolescents have this desire. They they, uh, are wired to satisfy these pleasure centers of the brain. Actually, we all are. But as we get older and mature, we uh, understand more about consequences and why you don't do certain things. Vaping really triggers the pleasure center because, it number one, it tastes good and smells good, and it contains nicotine, which uh, stimulates uh, a a pleasure center in the brain, and it's very habit-forming. Now, that's going on in the brain, but all the while, you're also, the nicotine is going all over the body, including the heart and in the lungs, and then those, the particles and the droplets from the vape are going into the lung, and there's chemicals and preservatives and and just all sorts of things that are in there that can have effects on the lung. And the nicotine itself can also cut back on the blood flow to the area and make it harder for your body to um, be able to fight off infection. So somebody who vapes can actually have an increased chance that they can have an infection introduced through their lungs. And that's a concern in the middle of a global pandemic for a respiratory virus. And and that was going to be actually my next question, the intersection there, because, you know, I mean, lung health is is a concern generally. But during this this pandemic, how do they intersect? So there was a study that came out recently that showed that teens and young adults who vape are five times more likely to feel sick if uh, compared to their peers who don't smoke or vape and seven times more likely to be diagnosed with coronavirus if they get sick. So, and now there's, I don't know exactly why that is. It could be in part due to the fact that vaping is maybe a social activity. It could also be in part due to the fact that if you're around somebody who has, let's say they're vaping and they have COVID, 
they could be asymptomatic, right? So they, they're not sick, but they're blowing virus out on the little droplets. And some of the, the vape particles, you know, the, the smoke, this quote unquote smoke that you see are large droplets, but there's tiny droplets of moisture called aerosols that the virus can ride on those aerosols and hang in the air for a long period of time. Even though you can walk through the room an hour later and there could still be aerosol droplets hanging in the air that contain COVID. And these droplets aren't the large droplets that would then settle to the floor, but they stay in the air. So, and then there's the effect of the drug, the nicotine on the lungs and making it harder for the body to fight off infection. So people who smoke are at increased risk for contracting COVID. And as it turns out, people who vape are also at increased risk for contracting COVID. Dr. John Godet, a pediatrician and also head over the Mississippi chapter, American Academy of Pediatrics. Thank you so much, Dr. Godet. Really appreciate you for taking the time to speak with us. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Ashley. The American Lung Association in Mississippi is launching a new comprehensive plan to prevent students from vaping and assist those who want to quit. Ashley Lyerly is with the association. She says the return to school provides a pathway to reach students. I think what's interesting um, and what we're seeing is and what's going to be seen um, and some of the data is not really out there yet is really kind of the impact and transition of of um, stay-at-home orders, um, the return to school. Um, we certainly know that um, some of the 2019 data that's reflected in the um, YRBS, or the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, really show um, this, you know, kind of high rate of high school students using e-cigarettes. And we know we've talked with school administrators um, back in, you know, uh, 2020 when we were in school and, and certainly in 2019, um, that it was really pre- pre- prevalent. Unfortunately, um, youth were getting access to e-cigarettes, and so they were using them um, not only in the school setting, whether it's in the classroom, kind of behind um, the teacher's back, or even in the bathroom. Um, and with students being in school, um, they're, you know, sharing e-cigarettes and, and, and such. Um, and so, you know, we did also hear from parents um, who are finding e-cigarettes um, in possession of youth. And so we know they're using them in multiple aspects. Um, and a lot of that has to do with um, industry, by the tobacco industry, um, an e-cigarette industry um, to, that's tailored toward youth to make this the cool thing to do. Now, I understand the Lung Association um, has a new effort now. It's a four-point plan to try to end vaping in our younger populations. And of the four points, is there one or maybe two that you think will have the greatest impact? And explain why or how. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And so earlier this week, the Lung Association really announced a comprehensive plan um, to end youth vaping. Um, And it really looks at kind of four aspects um, as part of this. One is education, um, advocacy, and research, and it has four components. Um, You know, the first, I think, is really continuing the conversation publicly about um, e-cigarettes, and so the Lung Association has partnered with the Ad Council um, to launch a new public awareness campaign. It's called Get Your Head Out of Cloud, and can be found at um, talkaboutvaping.org. 
The second um, kind of, I'd say most important, as you asked, um, kind of component to this is really providing support to school administrators and schools and educators um, to help address kind of the surge um, that we're seeing around youth vaping. Um, and so we've kind of tailored that into what we call the Vape Free Schools Initiative. Um, and within that, there are two kind of program pieces um, to kind of help navigate that public health crisis, which is our in-depth program, which is an alternative to suspension program. And then um, what we call our NOT program, NOT on Tobacco, which is really youth-centered youth tobacco and um, e-cigarette education and cessation program. All right. Well, Ashley Lyerly, the Director of Advocacy at the American Lung Association in Mississippi, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about this plan. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.